good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? Hey, sweet baby, don't you think maybe we could find us a brand new recipe? I got a brand new car and a two dollar bill, yeah. Know a spot right over the hill. That's sort of pop and the dancing free. So if you wanna have fun, come along with me. So hey, good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? Here is part two of Jeff and I's discussion about Ken Burns' PBS special country music. If you haven't heard the first episode, stop, go back, listen to yesterday's episode, and then come back. Because you want to hear, Jeff has so many great insights, um, I really think you'll, you'll want to hear the first part before you get to the second. And here we go. I thought it was fascinating... Because I'd never thought about that. Um, Modern Sounds of Country Music was an album that I remember seeing my parents have. Um, I can remember that iconic cover and Ray Charles, I can't stop loving you, you know, and made up my mind. But I've never thought about that when he, Ray Charles, got total creative freedom, the first thing he wanted to do is to do an album of country music. That's crazy. <laughs> right. And I, I'm sorry. Right. I know I keep not asking you questions. I just keep <laughs> making statements. But, yeah, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, my first thought is, you have a lovely singing voice, Jesse. And then my oh, second you. is <laughs> is that um, my grandma's one of her favorite albums. You know, she, I, I remember she had this huge, I think I talked about this before with you, actually, that she had this gigantic stereo that took up a whole wall. It was just this big wooden thing. And uh, there were always albums on there, and there was, it was always music playing. And um, and she loved the modern sounds of country music so much. She loved uh, Ray Charles so much. You, you know, it, that kind of uh, that Nashville sound, uh, the Chet Atkins, uh, those backup singers. I, I would love someday uh, to hear a, a stripped version of that uh, without some of the you know, as polished as it was, and just to hear his voice and maybe some of the instruments, but that's just me. Uh, but I do, I love that uh, album. And, you know, and again, I mean, he's covering Hank Williams. And, um, yeah. And, and all of this great, I, I think, again, I think that great artists 
you know, Chuck Berry looked at himself as a country singer. And I think that these guys, they just appreciate art. And I think they don't see genres or boundaries. They see yeah. art. And, uh, and you know, like Johnny wanting to do gospel. That was, you know, what, what he wanted to record. And um, I think it's really, uh, it's, it, it's very cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that Ray Charles thought I'm really going to break a lot of barriers here by doing this. I mean, I have no idea, but yeah. I think he just thought these songs are really great, and I don't know if my audience knows these songs, so let me bring them, and then you know, in the process, he's getting a new audience too. So, uh, well, it, and it you just brought up another thing that I thought was great, um, Chet Atkins. Mm-hmm. Great executive, known as a fantastic guitarist, truly a Hall of Fame contributor to country music. How did he start? Playing with Mother Mabel and the Carter Sisters. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and ahead. I love their loyalty to him. I mean, wasn't that cool? Just, uh, oh, yeah. I was basically like, if you want us, you got to have him, too. And um it, it's kind of really cool the way that they took care of one another. Um, yes. You know, I mean, then just like Mother Mabel was being there for Hank uh, Williams and being there for Johnny and and being there for Ted Atkins. They seem like really <laughs> amazing people. And another story that I did not know is um, uh, Felice and Boudreaux Bryant. I think that's how you say Boudreaux Bryant, that's right? Correct. And they're mm-hmm. they're they're showing the story, and you're like, well, I don't know who they are, I you know I'm not as I continue watching, and then they mention a little group called the Everly Brothers, you right. know, and and they start writing a couple songs for them, and if you go to their Wikipedia, uh, listeners, and it's Felice F E L I C E. And Boudreaux, B-O-U-D-L-E-A-U-X, Bryant. The amount of songs from Graham Parsons, Buddy Holly, Every Brothers, Emmy Lou Harris, Ricky Van Shelton, Little Jimmy Dickens. You're like, holy moly. I mean, I thought Carol King wrote a lot of songs. These <laughs> guys are amazing. <laughs> they, Yeah, you know, years ago when I was a kid, I mean, I saw the... I don't even know, but you know, uh, there used to be the Nashville Network, right? Yes. And um, there was a, I think it was Bobby. Bobby Bear had a, a show with songwriters, and I'm pretty sure that that was where I was first introduced to them. I remember seeing them on there on the National Network, and I think it was with Bobby Bear. I may be mistaken, but um, but you know, they they just came across as just your normal next door neighbors who. <laughs> You know, there was nothing about them that you would go, oh, my God, these are two of the most incredible songwriters in the history of music. Not just country music, but but music. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they're an amazing story, aren't they? Yeah, and they had this um, – their son was on there talking about it, and he was a really good interview. You know, he could tell mm-hmm. he was really um, – you know, proud of his parents and the, his mom was ambitious and wanted to win and his dad loved his mom. And so 
you know, that they, and that's why it worked together. Um, I, I am glad you knew the story because I didn't. And uh, I thought that was just a wonderful kind of discussion of, because everyone's heard about the Brill Building and how right. everything could do this. And then to hear Nashville's versions of that was pretty amazing. Um, kind of skipping ahead, uh, I've always been a fan of um, a lot of the people that talked, but Vince Gill, I've always loved his voice. Um, he was he did a on a Brian Wilson tributes um, special once. He did a great version of some Beach Boy songs, and to hear his story of him being offered to tour with um, Dire Straits and Mark Knopfler and saying no was a fascinating story. Yeah, I had no idea. I, that, I, I had never heard that before. Uh, I knew that he was with Pure Prairie League, but I didn't know that he uh, had been offered <laughs> that job. It would have been really interesting to see what would have happened and how his career would have, have yeah. gone. Um, I I loved, my dad loved Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard both. Um, in fact, I've shared on 9-11, um, my dad died on 9-11-2011. And so um, we are, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, 10 years after 9-11. Um, so... I always listen to Johnny Cash for my dad and the rising for, you know, just because it's 9-11. But mm. I did not know the amount of rebel, the extreme, Cash was about the, um, for the downtrodden. Um, talk a little bit about your feelings about Johnny Cash and how they showed him in this. Um, he... You know, he, he is, um, not to get too much into my personal life, but uh, I, my father and I weren't uh, very close. I didn't grow up uh, with him very much in my life. But the one thing that uh, we did have in common was uh, Johnny Cash. And um, like I said, when that was my parents' music. That was my, uh, that was my grandparents' music. And... Uh, that is one of the the joys of when I got uh, back into Bruce, or not when I got into Bruce and got back into Johnny Cash um, and started reading about him. He really is this amazing man who uh, who was always on the on the the right side of, of so much history, whether it was uh, Native Americans, um, whether it was prisoners. <laughs> the Vietnam War, um, and uh, these, you know, he he really stood up for kids who were uh, who were the, the outcasts at the time. I mean, I you know, and uh, and then to introduce the world to Bob Dylan, and to by the way, um, the next uh, uh, bootleg series uh, with Bob Dylan is going to be uh, his recordings with Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. So. Um, wow. Okay. That's, that's gonna be very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm sure a lot of us uh, have a lot of those recordings from bootlegs that have floated around through the years. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
but I can't wait to hear it. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, I'm not saying I do have those on bootleg. Yeah, but, I understand uh, what we'll you're saying. <laughs> uh, well, in, but yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I, I, I just thinking of that. There's the line in City Slickers where um, they're talking about my dad and I couldn't talk, but we could always talk about baseball. You know, mm-hmm. and I kind of have that feeling where, you know, you and your dad could always talk about, you know, Johnny Cash or music. And and that's that's a beautiful legacy for anyone. And, um, you know, Linda adores the song Hurt. Um, you know, she just um, she's a big fan of Johnny Cash anyway. And, uh, you know, she has all kinds of cash on her iPod. You know her her phone now, her what used to be called the iPod, right? Where you know I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, and hey Porter, hey Porter, and <laughs> she just you know um, to have the story of his record company dropping him is first off you're going, you know, when he's made that much money for you, you just you just let him do whatever he wants to do. Till he decides he doesn't want to make records anymore, and then to have him had such a resurgent with the American recordings is such a powerful way. I mean, it is almost like a movie that um, mm-hmm. we're going to have a fictional ending to such a great life. Yeah. What? Um, you know. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say. I mean, I think. Uh, I think what's interesting about uh, Johnny Sue, you know, like he was kind of um, struggling during that period of time before the American recordings. Uh, and there's a, have you heard the uh, the Johnny Cash album Johnny Ninety Nine? Surely, right? You've heard. Yes, sure. Um, You know, I think that Bruce yeah. was um, loved him. He was listening to Johnny while making uh, Nebraska. And then when Johnny Roseanne actually uh, gave uh, Johnny Nebraska. And then, you know, he was like, OK, this is somebody that I, I can get into. Um, I'm just going to read you this quote for, that I was looking up uh, from. There's a, a book called The Man Called Cash, The Life, Love and Faith of an American Legend uh, by Steve Turner. Uh, and Johnny said, I think Springsteen says it better than any of us did. 
Um, he's the master of these kind of songs. He's such a prolific writer. I guess youth has got a lot to do with it. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I was writing more. It's not that I don't have the inspiration. It's just that when I write something, I'm more thorough than I ever was. Uh, they take me longer to finish. In the 50s, I would leave them exactly as they came to me, but now I'm aware of the competition of writers like Bruce, and so I work on every line until they're uh, to my total satisfaction. I want my songs to be as good as theirs. Um, so pretty cool, right? Yeah, that, that's very cool. And that uh, Johnny loved him so much, and then you know, like you brought up, I, I've been everywhere. You know, that was a great Hank Snow song, uh, and I think you know he during that time he covered uh, Leonard Cohen, and uh, uh, he did Rusty Cage, you know, yeah. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. Um, and, and I, I remember hearing after he had died, a, a Rick Rubin, reading a Rick Rubin uh, interview, and he was saying that for a long time that he would still, he would hear a song and write it down for Johnny to cover, uh, even after yeah. Johnny had died. Um, one thing that did make me sad and put things into perspective, I think, for for us fans also is, you know, um, Hurt uh, when that came out. And then Johnny, you know, Johnny died at 71. Yeah. And Bruce is 70. And you look at Johnny and just this weathered, beautiful face is, you know, America right there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we are really, really fortunate as Springsteen fans to have him um, still writing uh, great uh, works of art, you know, that, that we have Western stars. And it's funny to me, like, sometimes I'll read on the message boards where they act like, you know, they just take everything for granted. Uh, but... But seeing that, it, it did, you know, I, I guess being such a, a fan, you kind of watch things through a Springsteen lens. But um, th there was so much of that uh, toward the end of the series that just breaks your heart watching Johnny age. But it, it did really um, make me appreciate uh, Bruce so much, and especially with this tour coming up. You know, I was telling Nancy, um, you know, we can't take this next uh, tour for granted because, um, you know, this may be it. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, we are blessed that for whatever reason, um, Bruce decided very young in his life to not indulge in what a lot of <laughs> rock stars indulge in. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and it's almost, I make the argument, it's almost in, in defiance of his father and not wanting to be that. And so we and he's loved exercise and taking care of himself. So he looks amazing at seventy, uh, though none of us are guaranteed a you know a time. But I, I I I do appreciate that, and and I also I, there are not many songs that I prefer a cover to, but push comes the shove. I would probably pick Johnny Cash's Highway Patrolman over Bruce's. It would be close, but it just seems almost like a perfect Johnny Cash song. I would agree with you up until, what, 2006, mm -hmm. when the Live in Dublin album came out, and I feel like Bruce borrowed from Johnny's arrangement. Okay, fair enough. I I <laughs> yeah. So, I really love... My name's Joe Roberts. I work for Steve. Sergeant at Purdenville. 
backs number eight. Always done an honest job, as honest as I could. Had a brother named Frankie, Frankie ain't no good. Ever since we was young kids, it's been the same come down. I get a call on a short week. Frankie's in trouble down, down. If it was any other man, I'd put him straight away. When it's your brother, sometimes you look the other way. Yeah, me and Frankie loving and drinking. Nothing feels better than blood on blood. Taking turns, dancing with Marie. Playing played night of the Johnstown foot I catch him when he's string Like any brother would Man turns his back on his family He just ain't no good That version of that song Yeah But I think it's kind of like The lines are very blurred they get On blurred, who song yeah. that is anymore and- Um and but, I know I'm yeah, greedy, but um, I, uh, the Seeger sessions were amazing. But, man, you go Hank Williams sessions, you know, Johnny <laughs> Cash sessions, Bruce, uh, just, you know, how much fun would it be to hear the E Street Band rip into a collection of, you know, a certain Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, Hank Williams songs? Uh, I well, you know, can we drift off into that for just a second? Sure. Uh, because I think that that's something that's really interesting to me is the Merle uh, and Bruce connection and how Bruce, I, I know, you know, he's talked about Mama Tried before, yeah. but how he hasn't covered a Merle Haggard song. And uh, I mean, he's covered Hank, he's covered Johnny. He's um, And on the Seeker Sessions, he did, uh, Long Black Bell, the great, you know, Lefty Frizzell, and then Johnny did it, mm-hmm. the band. Um, but it's interesting to me because, to me, they're so, Merle Haggard and Bruce, uh, I think it's so, you know, the whole common man thing, uh, I think that's very trite sometimes and, and cliche for both of those artists, and it, it really undersells who they are and, right. and the complexity of what they wrote about. But it is a major part of, of what they did sing about and uh, their upbringing and, and creating who they became. It's interesting to me that, uh, that Bruce hasn't really uh, covered them very much. And I, I don't, I, I really don't even have a point here, but I mean, having, no, no, uh, I'm right there. Thing, when, if we make it, if, when David Bowie died, he did a yeah. David Bowie. When Glenn Fry, he did an Eagle. Um, they did the great, uh, Purple Rain version after Prince died, and um, when Merle the Haggard died, yeah, um, he didn't do one, and I would have loved to seen one. Um, and not that it's, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it would have been amazing to see that. I, I'm um, not criticizing either. I just, I, yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if it's almost like there's such uh 
so close in a lot of ways that maybe he just thought, well, you know, a, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and maybe it's just, uh, you know, no need to touch those songs um, because, but, you know, I mean, having him do, if we make it through December or holding things together, I mean, you know, the, the thing about Merle, too, can we talk about him for Oh, a absolutely. Anytime. Uh, <laughs> I should have you on you know, just to do a whole Merle Haggard episode. Well, I would do it because I love him yes. uh, so much. I, I think he, again, you know, more than anyone else, he's the the voice of the common man in country music. and uh, But he wrote these really, really complex songs as well. Um, like I said, you know, holding things together. And if we make it through December, if we make it through December, I swear to you, I if if I heard that song right now, I would cry. If we make it through December, everything's gonna be all right, I know. It's the coldest time of winter, and I shiver when I see the falling snow. If we make it through December Got plans to be in a warmer town come summertime Maybe even California If we make it through December we'll be fine Got laid off down at the factory and their timing's not the greatest in the world Heaven knows I've been working hard Wanted Christmas to be right for daddy's girl I don't mean to hate December Yes. Wouldn't even. Uh, singing back home. Oh, I was just uh, going to say... I just thinking of Sing Me Back Home makes me tear up. Me too. You Big know? City. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Silver Wings is seriously uh, as good as it gets. Uh, just uh, that song kills me. And uh, all brilliant songs, so mature and simple. But uh, but you know, there was a song called uh, Irma Jackson. Have you ever heard of Irma Jackson before? Sure. Have you ever yes. heard that song? Uh, you know, and so, I mean, that's a song that came out in, I think, 72, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. uh, about an interracial relationship. Um, so he, he really tackled some pretty, uh, heavy, uh, subjects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just a shame, like, uh, Okie from Muskogee and, um, the, if you don't like it, leave it, whatever yeah. that song is. Um, you know, that those are like the, some of the bigger hits because, uh, I do think that he was a really sensitive, uh, songwriter who did write about the uh, downtrodden and uh you know I'm, I'm so glad that uh before he died i got to see uh chris that uh, christopherson and, and merle haggard uh play at bass hall uh with the strangers and uh i also saw merle open up for bob dylan and um it, he he mopped the floor with bob dylan to be honest yeah. he was amazing that night but um He's one of my favorite artists, and I, I think that uh, there is something about him that um, that kind of transcends. I mean, he's country through and through, uh, yes. without doubt. But he is just, a, you know, I think like I think Hank 
Merle, Chris Christopherson, and Johnny, like their songwriting to me is there's a, a level of a, a maturity there in Willie uh, that that transcends. That's as good as anybody. As good as Johnny Mercer. As good as as Bob Dylan. As Absolutely. good as Bruce. Um, um, that. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, checked out the Coast Cocaine and Rhinestones podcast. Um, no, I haven't. Okay, so. Uh, it is uh, David Allen Cole's son, uh, <laughs> Tyler Cohen, and there is an episode, um, it's episode number five, Breaking Down Merle Haggard's Okie from Muskogee, um, and it's a whole episode that explains how Okie is a hateful slur, and right. that there is a good chance that Merle was doing this tongue-in-cheek. Uh, because growing up the way he was, you know, Oki was like the N-word. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and then when it became a hit, he kind of, well, I guess I'm going to double down on this. So uh, the whole series is amazing. They they cover a lot of Tom T. Hall and other stuff, but that is worth, I'll send you the link. Um, It is worth listening to. yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I'm going to flip to um, Willie Nelson being part of this was pretty special. And his story of how he, <laughs> you know, whether it's true or not, the idea he was so depressed, he got on the middle of the you know, street and like, go ahead and run me over and then finds his voice is just amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I had never heard that story. Uh, oh, thanks for the link. I'd never heard that story uh, before uh, either. And, you know, Willie is just an amazing person, isn't he? And yeah. Just, uh, just watching that, there were times where you were like, no, Willie, don't. I mean, Family Bible and selling it, uh, the nightlife, you know, like, don't sell that dog, Willie. Hang on to those yes. dogs. Uh, and so you see how he's just. He had, there has to be these moments when everybody is covering nightlife. Yes. And I mean everybody. Not Absolutely, country, yeah. I mean from B.B. King. Elvis, I mean on and on and on. And he has to be like, what the hell? You know, like I'm never going to make it. My yeah. chances of making it, I've sold away for nothing. Yeah, because what are the odds here. I'm going to come up with another thing like that? Um, and – once again, the crazy and um, the Patsy Cline and him doing that. And I don't know if it's true or not, but the story and um, Gordon Keith uh, on the ticket talked about this. And Junior and them all said that maybe they're exaggerating. But, you know, the radio executive, the uh, the record company executive, when uh, Willie put in redheaded stranger and they said this is this is junk it's not going to sell this sounds horrible it's barely a demo but i tell you what we'll just put it out to make him happy it'll bomb and then we'll listen to more of us so you don't know and then of course it becomes this huge it stays on the charts almost two years and it is a modern classic um you wonder how much of that is retroactively how much did they really hate it, or did they were just, you know, eh on it? But that makes a great story. 
Well, you know, I think that was Billy Sherrill who said that, right? I think that it was uh, yeah. talking about it. And I get the feeling that he doesn't suffer fools easily, and I, I yeah. get the feeling that he kind of tells things the way uh, yeah. it is. So I, I tend to believe him. I, I see what Gordon's saying, though, as far as, you know, that, yeah. you know, maybe it, it just kind of is embellished a little bit. But, I mean, I definitely think that they – because at that point, you know, it, it, Billy Sherrill was making these great Tammy Wynette and George Jones uh, songs and, and very much in that Nashville sound. So, uh, and and you have Willie going off and, and making this album for $4,000 in Garland uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, close to it. So um, I'm sure that they were like, oh, that's old Willie, you know, doing something yeah. else that's not going to work. And so they probably did think, you know, after this fails, maybe he'll crawl back and write us something good that we can, you know, mm-hmm. give him a, 500 bucks for and he'll sell us that'll be sell <laughs> for a ton so um I, I, you know it's it's just amazing and he i i do see why he would be so depressed i mean he his he probably too thought no one's going to remember me nobody's going to know that i wrote all of these songs um i mean his his name is not even on family bible if, if uh it, or at least it wasn't for a very long time that's why uh, Merle Haggard uh, recorded that song and introduced it as the song was written by my friend Willie Nelson. He uh, he wanted people. Merle Haggard wanted people to know that Willie wrote that song. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that um, I, I I do see him just you know maybe in an altered state uh, that evening and just being like that's it I've had it. Uh, but man, it's a great story. I mean, there's so many stories with Willie of, you know, that they didn't even cover of him being sewed up in his sheets and beaten by one of his wives, yeah. <laughs> you know, on and on and on. And so it's hard to tell again, you know, where the legend ends with him, but I do know this, like, I, it, there's nothing that, uh, I'm happier about that he's a, a true Texan. And, and, um, and again, you know, like he and, and Chris, uh, just bringing this whole level of, um, maturity uh to songwriting and just writing about women you know i mean just writing about love the way that they wrote about it is, is uh was revolutionary at the time and um so yeah i i i, I loved all that I, I and i never heard that story though i thought it was hilarious so, i mean it's hilarious only because he lived yeah <laughs> my um my friend sarah hickman who was um official texas musician several years ago and uh she she's had she she's she's not had she has had she's been able to make her living but she's never had a massive you know um national hit but you know she's done well but when she was this selected she was like well what are what am i supposed to do and the state legislature said nothing it's just an honor we gave you and so she got together and created, um, organized other Texas musicians covering her songs, and the, all the money would go toward a fund for uh, music education in the state of Texas. And um, she had reached out. She had met Willie at a party, and she goes, Hey, I'm the Texas musician. I was the one following you. Um, and I'm going to do this collection of songs. Would you want to perform? And he goes, oh, sure, darling. And then she didn't think he'd remember, but he did. And he says, when am I supposed to be in the studio? And she told him. And um, they called, and I 
I, I'm going to get the story wrong, but they got stopped by the police or something, and there's no way he's going to make the studio. And uh, she's just so disappointed, and she goes to bed, and she wakes up the next morning, and she shows up the studio, and Willie's already recorded two takes. And uh, wow. he said, uh, you know, darling, I said I was going to be here, and I was. And he, they drove all night in the bus to make it to the studio. And uh, if you do a search for um, um, – Simply by Willie Nelson, that's him recording that after being in the bus all night driving. Now, it isn't like he was in the back seat of a car, but still. So just a true great guy, and you're right, just how wonderful him being a Texan. son's going to be over here soon to get ready for the cowboy game what have we not covered that we should cover jeff uh well for one thing we did not talk about uh, a couple of uh we need to talk about loretta lynn we need to talk about dolly yes. uh, and you know she's uh loretta lynn is, is also an amazing songwriter and while everybody was becoming more and more polished in the nashville sound uh loretta was staying true to herself and, uh, you know, writing these really frank, uh, you talk about mature songs that nobody else was talking about and to have the guts to, to put those songs out there. So I'm going to stop you there and I wanted to finish it, but that same series, um, he spends an episode talking about the pill and, um, and how controversial that, Basically, the hypocrisy that men can sing whatever they want in country music and they're never banned, and that women doing anything controversial will get banned. And his point was Loretta knew it would get banned, and she knew that it would wrote to um, album sales. And so she was smart and calculated. And so you should check that episode as well. Um, I want you to finish your thought, but... I thought, and I can't remember who said it, but they talked about Loretta Lynn and Tammy Wynette, both gifted songwriters, but oh, yeah. they wrote each other's live songs. Um, yeah, I think that was Jeannie Seeley. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. You were talking about Dolly Parton next. Another, you know, an artist who uh, who stayed true to herself, 
Uh, and really, I mean, there was a period there that they talked about where she took over the world, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, you talk about songs that just break my heart. The Code of Many Colors is, oof, that song gets me. And Amy Lou Harris, uh, version of that song also, um, would have me sprawled out on the floor in the fetal position right now if I heard it. She, um, anybody in any other genre um i i think that she is a brilliant brilliant artist so i do want to mention her and then um and he stopped loving her today i think that song is uh is my wife we we go camping every year and we play a lot of uh music uh every year and um he stopped loving her today was a song that we would play a lot and about the third year that we were playing it, we were out at Possum Kingdom, uh, out at the lake, and we, you know, we were sitting around the campfire. And all of a sudden, my wife goes, wait a minute, he's dead? And, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yes. That's, and she was like, oh, my God, this is the saddest song ever written. I'm like, I know. That's, so, uh, and just, I you love know your how... wife even more than I did before. <laughs> Um, we have, that is, I think, a wonderful story. Kept some letters by his bed. It in 1962. He had underlined in red. Every single I love. I went to see him just today Oh, but I didn't see no tears All dressed up 
to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years He stopped loving her today It placed a reef upon his door And soon Yes, continue, please. Well, I just the trouble that they had, you know, with where George was at at that point, that he was singing uh, another melody, that Chris Christopher helped me make it through the night, and that they were able to piece the song together, uh, and it became just one of the best, one of my favorite songs ever made. and I love that. And I think if, uh, you know, there's great, great, pure country music uh, that was being made then, that continues to be made now. Uh, Sturgill Simpson's new album just came out, and it is uh, it is not a country album, but <laughs> to have that foundation of, of who he is and to have people like Jason Isbell and um, Amanda Shires and Brandy Car- all the highway, high women, um, you know, it, it, all of this stuff continues. So one of the things that I really loved about the series is I did not know the full story about closing the Ryman. I just knew, in my mind, the greedy folks at the Grand Ole Opry shunned their raisin, uh, opened up this Opryland park, this, you know big Six Flags type park so that you could make a lot more money and it could be have this fancy hotel and they totally forget their roots as that was in my uneducated um, mind, you know, and like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they put the cover, the, they put part of the uh, stage on there, but, you know, they just truly forgot. And then when you hear it had no air conditioning. It, you know, it was falling apart. And then I went, oh. And then when you hear that the Grand Ole Opry, along with other um, artists, get together to restore it, and it's now in its, you know, it is restored in modern glory, I kind of like, okay, that's kind of cool. Well, and that and that Amy Lou uh, recorded, you know, at the Ryman when she did her live album, um, kind of bringing things full circle, as she often does. Yes. I think I thought that was uh, really cool on her part too to bring that back. I didn't know at that point that that was that album uh, was the first, uh, you know, that that people weren't playing at the Ryman at that point because now it's such a cool venue yeah. and they have so many cool artists there. Um, so, and, you know, and that's, Amy Lou is also, you know, one of my favorite, favorite artists ever. I don't think anyone um, interprets Bruce uh, and Patty uh, better than uh, Amy Lou. And uh, I, I saw her play with Bruce at Giant Stadium in 2003. Um, they did Across the Border together. And I just remember it was, uh, there was like wind kind of blowing 
toward her. <laughs> it was like angelic. It was ingrained in my memory forever. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what I, I, I feel like I've seriously could, we could talk about this. For yeah. Three so hours. I did want to share um, Linda when we're watching this says, I wonder if they'll mention the bluebird because we had been fans of the TV show Nashville. And when we went to Nashville, we had a couple things on our mind. We knew we had to go to the Johnny Cash Museum, and um, and we were going to try to get tickets to see a show at the Bluebird. And uh, we were able to do both. And the night we were at the Bluebird, um, Josh Abbott was there with Carly Pierce, a singer named Allison Veltz. And then a guy whose name I don't remember. And it was just like the show talked about it. They were in four chairs facing each other. So picture at a four top in a restaurant, but no table in between them. And so, and they do exactly what you start. Carly Pierce would start a song. Then Josh Abbott would do a song. Then Allison Veltz would do a song. And then this other guy would do a song. Then Carly Pierce would do a song. And they all just rotated. For like an hour and a half. Um, they did the I Wasn't That Drunk, which was on the radio at the time with Josh Abbott Band with Carly Pierce singing. And it was as a magical night as you can imagine. Because they just had their guitars and they it really did feel like they're in our living room just singing songs. So I was glad they talked about... So, you know, Garth Brooks and other people up, coming up with that venue. So um, that is one of our special memories of we we got to see, like we've never seen a show at the Wyman. We, we want to, but that is something we remember pretty strong. Have How about you? Have you been to Nashville? Have you done any of the tourist things? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I've been to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Oh, amazing, uh, yes. Yeah, that, really, really well done. Um, I, I, this is, I got my picture taken with the uh, Trans Am. I've made Nancy take a picture of me with the Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. I remember she was a... Not I very love that so proud. much. Artist <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hub Record Store. Uh, we actually saw uh, Bruce perform in Nashville. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, I, was I that in 2012? Oh yeah, I believe so. He yeah. did. Um, yeah. He did the. Um, a Rolling Stone cover and uh, an Elvis cover, right? That's right. He did Burning Love and Satisfied. Yeah. Um, by the way, I was at that show, too. I had driven all really? the way from Dallas. Um, yeah, I wish we'd been friends then. We, You know, <laughs> uh, road trip. But um, I was slightly disappointed. Instead of I, – I give it 99 out of 100 instead of 100. I so wanted someone to show up and sing with him. Uh, like when he did the – when he was touring for The Rising and he was here in Dallas, Don Henley came in and sang I Fought the Law with him. That was my first Springsteen show ever. Um, and I really wanted someone from Nashville just to come out during an encore, and I didn't care who it was. 
like Roseanne Cash or, you know, um, anyone, and we didn't. And it was still a great show. I just I, – I was greedy. I wanted just a little bit because right. it was Nashville. <laughs> right. And somebody – Amy Lou would have been amazing. Um, I, was, I was also at the uh, Don Henley performance uh, in yeah. Dallas too. So um, – so speaking of which, and then and then I know we need to wrap this up. But did, was there anyone speaking of disappointment? Uh, and the, we've talked about how amazing the the series was. Anyone that you felt got shortchanged, or, or anyone that you were disappointed that they didn't talk about more? Um, he had said in an interview that they did not go to a lot of modern country. Um, Chris and I are big fans of Brad Paisley. Um, I, I, I don't remember how I found Brad Paisley, but I ended up buying all his albums. Um, Chris and I have done road trips to go hear him. Um, when Chris was struggling um, as a freshman in college, um, he was he had, he'd made a few missteps. Um, not bad enough to be, you know, a solid uh, country and western singer, but you know, kind of minor league. He had made a few f ups, and uh, and he was just like, oh, my life is over. And I played him Land of Hope and Dreams, and I played him Brad Paisley's A Letter to Me, which has a line, "This is nowhere near the best years of your life." I I know he's too modern, but I would have loved for them to interview him or for him to be able to speak. Because he has such a love of Little Jimmy Dickens, and he has such a love of classic country, I would have liked to hear him talk. Not necessarily they cover him. How about you? Um, well, I'm a huge Roger Miller fan, and they did talk about him. But I, and this is just a selfish. I would have could have heard them talk about him forever. Yeah. Uh, Tom T. Hall as well. But the artist that I was most surprised. That, I mean, he just got a passing mention uh, was Glenn Campbell. I was really yes. surprised that uh, they didn't talk about him more because just like Johnny, he had a, you know, he, he had a, a primetime television show and um, crossed over into mainstream. Um, and just the, the people that he played with, um, I, I was surprised that, that they didn't talk about him more. And I wonder if it's because of his connection to the Wrecking Crew, and he was more Los Angeles, California-based. I thought the same thing, now that you mentioned I totally was agree. Um, love Glenn Campbell. Um, one of my regrets is he was at the... Um, he was at Grand Prairie um, a couple of years before he died. I had a ticket, and I... Um, worked all day and and felt like I was getting down with a cold and I had a slight fever and I just I just didn't go and now I'm like you said sucked it up Jesse big deal you got a fever you should have gone see Glenn Campbell um, and I so yeah I think that's a fair um, get I um I you know they gave a lot of love to Willing um, to Waylon Jennings. Uh, certainly Willie Nelson, and so that would have been um, nice to see. I'm glad they got that. But, yeah, I think Glenn Campbell is a really good – I was really happy 
that uh, Charlie Pride got some love, not only because huge Cowboy and Ranger fan, you know, f- lives in the Metroplex or used to. So I was kind of getting Dallas got a little love their way. Um, Linda was worried they weren't going to talk about the Louisiana Hayride um, because she and her her parents would go there sometimes when she was younger. And so she was – they aren't mentioning Louisiana Hayride. Blah, 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 blah. And then when Elvis came up and they started talking about it, she's like, okay, I'm going to quit grumping now. They, they did cover it. so um, But she was ready to be very unhappy. Um, anyone else you thought you would have liked for them to cover? Uh, I was I was proud to see I was happy, uh, very happy that they uh, talked about Town Vanzant and yes. uh, Guy Clark. Um, yeah. And like I said, I mean Graham Parsons that he uh, and the birds. I felt like they they got their due. Um, you know, I, the, the Texas uh, singer songwriters uh, having Town uh, kind of represent that group. Uh, I was really happy about so. Um, that yeah. really, I mean, that that was it. I, yeah. I thought everybody else they did a good job uh, yeah. representing as much as they could I, uh, during that time period. And all the um, quote unquote talking heads, like Holly Williams, was really good. Oh, um, totally agree. And I had to mention that you know she did. She's done a Springsteen cover um, that was amazing. <laughs> Linda's like. You can make everything about Bruce. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I can. It's all, it all fits together. It all fits together. Oh. Well, we busted out of class, had to get away from those Good baby than we ever learned in school. Tonight I hear the neighborhood drum a sound. I can feel my heart begin to pound. You say you're tired and you just want to close your eyes and follow your dreams then. you think I'm so lonesome I could cry um oof, that was oh. a really uh, just a great moment yeah. killing moment That's yeah wonderful. um hear that he sounds too blue to fly and I'm so lonesome I could cry Did you ever see a night so long 
when time goes crawling by and moon doesn't win behind the clouds to hide his face and cry You know, selfishly, I would have loved for them to had just a little bit uh, an interview with Jason Isbell because you know he's so amazing. Um, but it was, you know, I think overall, you know, it was amazing the amount of people they had and they shared. Um, I was surprised how old um, Ronnie Millsap looked. But then I started looking at his age. I'm like, wow, um, because I remember um, him being so huge in the 70s when I was getting out of high school. Uh, you know, a lot of crossover. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really touching was Vince Gill at George Jones' funeral. George. Yeah, that was, um, like Linda said, that was almost painful uh, to see the emotion. Um they did a great job of weaving in the music and the history. Um, it's available on PBS's website. Um, it is worth donating $5 a month. And, and then in a couple of months, you can cancel. But if you have not watched this, I recommend it strongly. You need to. Uh, how about you? Any other last thoughts? No, I feel like we have uh, – I mean, yes, I could talk – forever on this I, I this music uh means the world to me and i think that uh sometimes it gets um you know this kind of it's so hokey it's you know it's old-fashioned it's but it's it's art and it's beautiful and the simplicity of it um these guys could write they were uh they were as good as there's ever been so yeah check it out three chords in the truth Exactly. I forgot who said that, but that's the definition of country music, and um, I thought it was great. Uh, Jeff, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Calloway, and uh, it's a very – it took me a while to think of that, but, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, C-A-L-A-W-A-Y. Yes, and uh, we are um, – excited um met for blinded by the light we're not going to end up meeting for western stars uh didn't work out with uh where they're showing the movies this time but uh it was so great to see everyone and kind of get together and just before that we had met up for dinner and we just had a great time um with you my wife my my wife goes they're proof that you can be, you can you can be normal and be a little bit Bruce obsessed. I'm like, yes, they're they're more of our fans are like Jeff and Nancy than the rest of us. You just see the really crazy ones. So, yeah, I don't know how normal we are, but um, yeah, well, you know, and I think that Western stars. Uh, but I I can't wait to hear uh, this music live and uh, and not. I won't give away the spoiler, but you know that. The cover at the end of that, uh, I can't wait 
to hear yes. uh, as yeah, well. They have not released it, and I'm kind of glad. I'm hoping they don't. Uh, I have not Googled it and searched for it. I want to hear it. You know, like I knew what they were talking about on Broadway, and that was okay with me, but I do not want to hear this beforehand. I want to be surprised. I uh, so that's going to be great. Um, and I, that they're releasing it. I'm sorry, they're going to release it though. The the audio from the uh, from the movie. Yes, but I mean, I I have not heard it. No, I know. Released already, and I'm I'm trying to stay away from it. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at Setlessing Bruce. You can go to www.setlessingbruce.com for our website. Uh, from there, you can find the Set Lessing Bruce store. You can find our patron page. You can find past episodes. Uh, you can see our Hall of Fame of people who have been on the show multiple times. Um, and please give us feedback. Send me an email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought about the country music uh, documentary. Tell us who you wish they'd given more time to or share your favorite story. Jeff, um, give your wife a hug. Uh, tell your son I said hello, and uh, we will. Uh, I'm sure we will be talking soon. Look forward to it. This this uh, episode almost as long as one of the TBS actual shows. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it is. I will. Uh, that's okay though. You do not have to get five dollars a month to get this one. This is free quality oh. platinum uh, entertainment. So thank you, listeners. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.
And there we go, Jeff. Um, I I kept talking, and I'm like, I'm not giving them questions, but thank you for just picking up and just you covering the conversation. Um, I just I was so excited to seeing this, and I'm so glad you wanted to join me and talk about it because this was just truly a joy. God, it, you know, I really and truly – I think when we hit like the hour mark, and I think we were only on like episode two. Yes. <laughs> like, I could talk about this forever. I don't know uh, how many people are, you know, going to be interested in it, but I really could have gone for hours and hours. Oh, yeah, I could have too. And I am, I am tempted to watch the whole thing over again, to pick up things I missed the first time, um, yeah. because it, and and like I, you know, I'm glad you agree with me. The 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 family tree, you just keep going, and I, I almost feel like taking notes. Like I had forgotten, Chet Atkins played with the Carter family. You know, I mean that's a direct connection. And then think how many albums Chet Atkins produced, and and you know came up with you know the Nashville sound, and yeah. then you know the Texas swing directly responsible and you know and linda kept looking at you know every episode it seemed like had someone doing a recording of mule skinner blues you know <laughs> and she's like it it just all flows from that little town um and that recording is just amazing so yeah i loved it and yeah well you know i also just thought about uh when you said the national sound that reminded me of charlie rich too like Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's so much more that we. Could and well, have and you know, like I would have loved Ray Price was somebody, you know, oh. my mom yeah. loved. You know, put your sweet yeah. lips a little closer to the phone. You know what I wanted? That's Jim Reed. Huh? That's Jim Reed. You were thinking Jim Reed. Yes, Jim Reed. That's right. I'm sorry. God. <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to do? Yes, thank you. Um, they didn't talk about Jim Reeves. Maybe that was my point. But anyway, you know, yes, they didn't. Yeah. And you know, that's a really great point. They, boy, yeah. you're talking about somebody that should have been on there for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, he is the male yeah. Patsy Klein, the equivalent yes. of that. But yeah. So I don't know if you remember, this was years ago. Country Music Television did a countdown of the greatest hundred uh, country songs of all time. And mm-hmm. they they had talking heads talking about it and it's not available anywhere online and i was going i would love this again i would love because i remember roseanne cash saying um when we all get together and we go what are we going to end the song with what are we in the show with well i guess when the roll is called yeah when uh, the circle be unbroken yeah that sounds like the right thing to end and and it's just that's a perfect song for everyone to sing along and were you at the kessler when the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band played there a few years ago? No, I would have loved yeah. to have been. Yeah, they were on the Kessler. They they came afterwards and signed. Um, but they wow. ended with Will a Circle Be Unbroken? And a guy from Dallas um, was a friend of theirs. They kind of, when they were doing the encore, um, they had him come up and play guitar. And... Um, Either Jimmy or one of them said, um, do you know a verse? 
I think so. All right, well, you're going to do this one. <laughs> you know, and it just was uh, – and Linda's like, I, I don't get why you love that song so much. And I go, it's just it's just a perfect sing-along, and it just – it's it. I just love it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're still talking 20 minutes after I've hit quit recording, so that tells you how much we love it. All right, Chris just got here. You go have a good night, and uh, we will talk soon. I'm going to try to get this out maybe at the end of this week, and so I'll let you know plenty of time. All right, buddy? Go Cowboys. Uh, Go Cowboys, absolutely. See you later. (laughs) Bye. All right, bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.